Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward. And take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. 2023 Aria has limited availability. All-wheel drive expected availability early 2023, subject to change. This is a 30-second stereo radio for trade school in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Now back to riffing with Raph and AD on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again riffing with Raph and AD on this Wednesday night. AD's dancing again. Man, the moves you have. I'm telling you, man, it's my old age, bro. I Get mean, they're, they're good moves, but they're <laughs> nothing compared to the moves that this guy had on the football field. He was a bad boy. One of the greatest to ever don. The end at Nebraska, number thirty, Amon Green. Amon, how are you tonight, brother? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Ag, did you know who that was? Who you had playing, man? Uh no. Who was that? Man, remember Eric being Rakim? Eric being Rakim? Oh, no, that was Eric being Rakim. I, I know that. I thought the boy. I thought you were talking about the voice. Yeah. <laughs> that was that old school. I ain't no joke. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I know that. I know that. I used to break dance to that when I was in Los Angeles as a kid. Oh, yeah. I know that for sure. AG, thanks again for joining, man. It's me and Chris Rapp. We also have Carter uh, with us tonight. Again, man, it's a privilege. It's an honor, man. And before I go any further, I know we kind of discussed this, but, man, I, again, we just want to pair our respects and our condolences for the passing of Coach uh, uh, Joe Mack, man. I'm a Hall Central former coach, so, again, our condolence with you and the entire entire Eagle uh, family with that, brother. So our blessings and prayers to you guys hey. on that, man. Yes, thank you. I mean, he gave me, you know, an opportunity and hold me, you know, help my parents, hold me into the man I am today by putting in, you know, stuff like just being accountable, showing up on time, working out at the weight room, and obviously earning, earning a position on the team and doing things to set us, set us on a guideline to stay on that path. I remember my first year there, transferring from North to Central, yeah, from North to Central, and we had a pretty good season our junior year. Me, Damian, and Andy Thompson was on that squad. Mm. Monte Sanderson and Matt, John, you know, a lot of guys. And um, I remember our last team meeting, and he's like, well, we got, you know, football's over, everybody. We're sitting in an old weight room that we had, the old beat-up weight room. And he says to everybody, um, all right, so I know some of you guys play basketball. Y'all play winter sports, wrestling. So we get you going, going do, do your work there and have a good season. He said, but if you're doing nothing, if you're not wrestling or you're not playing basketball or any other winter sport, you're going to be in the weight room for this whole winter. And then mm. you're going to be powerlifting into track season. And I'm like, okay, 
no problem. <laughs> so it's just like he, he laid it out like that. It's like you either do something or you don't. You can't just do nothing at all. Right. And be right. a part of the, uh, be part of the football team or the baseball or the, or the powerlifting team or the track team. He's gonna want. He wants you working, and I believe he had a background in bodybuilding and weightlifting as well. So that's where I say for him that that guidance, you know, to me was like, all right, I got to do it because if I want to be competitive, I want to be a starter. I want to make sure I'm in shape um, for that as a freshman. And it just followed me all the way to Lincoln and, and then after to Green Bay, to the NFL, to Seattle and Green Bay. So, Mon, you started powerlifting as a freshman basically in high school. Yeah, I lifted. Like, well, it started with my brothers, you know, Jerry, Nikki, Paul, mm-hmm. them picking me up after school, basically giving me no choice to work out with them, which was a good thing, you know. And I love because I love the weight room. I was a gym rat, and so learning from them, and then carrying over on my own to high school, to you know at North, but then over to Central, where that mentality was, you know, let's hit the weights, no matter what it is, no how much weight we got to throw in that bar, squat, bench, deadlift, whatever it is. I knew if I put that work in, that I would see the reward come out on the football field, on the track, mm-hmm. on the powerlifting stage, stuff like that. Because it was if it was. About just working hard, I knew that I could work hard. I knew I could do that. That that was probably the easiest part of me as a kid, knowing I could just go anywhere and somebody tell me how to do it the right way, then I'll go get it done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about the change going from north to central. You think about, I mean, granted, you know the, 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 the DNA and the lineage that's at running back high. You know, Gail Sayers, Johnny Rogers when it was Omaha Tech back in the day, Calvin Jones. A lot right. of people forget about Kelly Yancey was a bad boy at Central back in the day. And I can go on and on and on. Did you feel any of that pressure to uphold the standard of the running back at Central when you transferred there? No, I, I, the, the pressure I felt was how I'm going to play – and so, okay, how going to be a starter behind a guy by the name of Damian Morrow at that time? Because <laughs> that kid rushed for eighteen hundred yards as a sophomore. Yes. I barely rushed for a thousand at North. Right. So I'm telling myself, I'm talking to myself in my head, like, how I'm going to play? How I'm going to be the starter at running back when he almost rushed for two thousand yards as a sophomore? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like asking myself, beating myself up, like I, I don't know if I'm going to play at running back. I might have to play wide receiver. I might have to play linebacker because I did that on defense. And then my dad set me down. We, were, we had to move into the neighborhood of Omaha Central to go to the school. And so he, the day we moved, I'm in my room, you know, still unpacking boxes, and I kind of took a break. And he says to me, he said, boy, what's wrong with you? I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm like, two a day start tomorrow. You know, Damien, he's a good back. I don't know if I could beat him out. I might have to be his backup, but I know I could start. I know I could play somewhere. On the football field, you know, I, I play linebacker. I played strong safety when I was in Little League. I could punt the ball. You know, I, I could be a punter. But I know I could do, you know, special teams, punt return, kickoff return. And he's like, look, you just named off a whole bunch of things that you could do on the football field. You got to remember, you're a football player first. Hmm. So don't worry about being the starter. Hmm. You know, be his backup if you have to be, if that comes out, how it shakes out from the competition. But be a football player first, and then you'll be fine. And then it kind of – that just kind of settled me down. And then the next day I checked in to two-a-days. Coach Mack was there, Damian, Andy Thompson, uh, Monte Sanders, and all the guys, my teammates, Randy Siddick, all them guys checked, checked in. And it's just like they welcomed me like I had been there since my freshman year. So then from there on, 
we were just having a good time being friends and being teammates. And then for me, then football came was the next easiest thing to come down the line. Hmm. Hmm. So then the year, the years go by then, and then you get to probably, Oh, I guess probably earlier, maybe earlier for you, but junior year and the colleges start, you know, sending mail and calling and stuff like that. Was Nebraska always your number one choice or was there anybody else that was there that you had thought about maybe attending? Nebraska was always in my top. I had made a top five or top ten early in recruiting for me. So they were always there because I knew they were a team that was fighting for that. You know, they were in the national title hunt. Mm-hmm. And that was on my goal. That was on my goal sheet as a, as a senior in high school and as a freshman in college. Once I got to Lincoln, I, wanted, I told myself then, I wrote down on my goal sheet that I wanted to be a part of a team to win a national title. And I want to help the team. I always want to be somebody that just kind of, is on the sidelines and does a few plays here and there. I want to be integral part. Part I didn't know where that part would be. I thought I figured it'd be a kickoff return. I'd be a great return guy. My freshman year, you know, do a kickoff and punt, and then that'll be my position. I was ready for that, and and we both know how that worked out. But my goal was to be on the team college-wise, that to, to be in the rank for a national title, but also then for myself personally, I'll make sure I'm at a school that it fits my educational needs that I get the degree that I want. Cause I know at any point in time at that, I knew then mom and that's reality. My brother told me the reality of, of being a pro, you know, being a pro athlete is slim and mm-hmm. you want to make sure you got a plan B, you got your degree. So I made sure I kept my focus on that. And, you know, the athletic side of it, you know, obviously came easy because of my hard work, but you know, it looked easy, but it wasn't because it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get there. But also obviously, like I mentioned, having that education side, mm-hmm. that my books were on point. I had A's and B's. I passed my ACT, passed my SAT. I was uh, not in trouble. I was that guy. I was that kid that a college would want on their roster, basically. You know, maybe that's why I was just a scout team player, and he was Hall of Famer. He had a goal sheet in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of goals, but they're a little different than AGs were. I take my, my mom for that. My mom and my dad. They, they, that was about. When I got to Central, that's when my mom teach me how to I write a goal sheet for myself. I love and it. And it just stuck with me, and I, I still do it today. 45 years old, still doing it. You know, Mom, what's, what's significant about that, our previous guest, John Goodwin, his son plays tight end in Nebraska, and we're just talking about expectations um, um, and accountability. And you look how far that's taken you in your career and in your life, and it's, and it's been tremendous. You know, it's even when you say you know, you got to have a plan B – when you look in hindsight of all that you accomplished, it's the most laughable in that you exceeded all that by crazy, but it was on purpose. You had a plan. You planned those things yeah. out. You know, though, speaking of plan and purpose, who was your who was the main guy that recruited you from at Nebraska? Uh, shoot. It was pretty much Coach Osborne, Coach Solich. When I talked to anybody in Lincoln, it was it was the guy. It was T.O. Mm-hmm. It was Coach Solich. Um, when I came to campus, that's who I saw, Coach Solich, Coach, Coach, Coach Osborne. And then I met all the other coaches, and then I met a few players on my visit there as a freshman. I mean, before I was a freshman, I mean. And then, you know, so that was the main guys I talked to. And it was something, you know, that was like, now I just got to figure out. The hard part was just making final that making that final decision because it was some good teams that was in college football at that time, along with Nebraska, Arizona, Michigan, Notre Dame. But mm-hmm. I still had to see fit who, who – program their, their, their curriculum in terms of going there as a student too so, and i'm glad we could take those visits and taking those visits 
going to different schools, going to different campuses in Michigan, in uh, Indiana, or Arizona, the Wildcats, Tucson area. And to see those campuses in person is what helped me make my decision eventually, you know, when I decided to go to Was it ever close between another school? Uh, I might be going through a bad patch right now, but if you can hear me, oh yeah, uh, it was close. It was close. It was close between Arizona and uh, Nebraska, and the main reason was because on campus, when I went down, I had ran into a lot of uh, players on that team that was from the Los Angeles area where I grew up, and mm. I played with them or against them. Mm. And to have that camaraderie that was already kind of set in from my Little League days, that was where Nebraska and Arizona was kind of neck and neck because I knew a lot of Lincoln, you know, guys in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew Clinton Child, I knew of Damon Benny, I knew of Lawrence Phillips, Tommy Frazier. Those guys were really, literally right down the highway from me. And some of them, you know, Clinton, I had went to school with Clinton for two years or for a year um, mm-hmm. at Central. I mean, at North. When mm-hmm. he was a senior, I was a freshman at North. We were on the same track team together. So I knew him. Mm-hmm. And I knew if talking to him when I was on my visit, when I seen him, when I go down there just to go to a game, I seen you know I talked to him on the sidelines. He was saying hello, and you know, AG, what you know, what you thinking about? You know, just having those conversations with my friends that are now, you know, that they're still friends today, but teammates too. Was just it, that's what made it close. And then, you know, the way I kind of came, I say the way my decision came to be was basically um, watching you guys down in Miami when y'all put it on uh, the hurricane, mm-hmm. and it was a game where. You basically had finally told from the gameplay was you know this is it this is we we're the championships now we're the and now it's no it's no question there's no flag there's no ball just flipping out of the goal line <laughs> right. to make a question to the referees no 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 Nebraska is winning course uh, that win and then that night my my dad had basically had a minor heart attack and he survived. He was okay. So I'm at a friend's house and it happened at right before halftime. And so I'm watching again, my friend's house. Mom says, meet us at the hospital. Your dad's recovering. He's okay. He had a minor, you know, scared. And I did. I rushed. I think we may have lost him real fast. We'll be getting right back oh, here. That, there we go. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in my neighborhood. It's terrible reception down here. So, um, so, well, but you, so just you that mentioned... moment, just that moment, just that moment watching that final seconds and you guys win that game down that, that kind of took me, that made the decision for me because I was like, I could be home. I, I could be home in Lincoln, not far away, just in case something like this happens hmm. to my mom, my dad, a family member. So I could be close to home to be near my family so I could be there for big moments in, in, in our lives at that time. So to recap that, we lost you for a little sec, but we, were, we heard, though, Amon, was you went to the hospital. Is that where you watched the rest of the game at when your dad had the mild heart attack during the championship game of 94? Yeah. Yep. I had, he had, that's exactly where I, I, I said, um, watch the game there. And that just that moment, me and my wow. brother and sister sitting there watching the game was like, I need to be here. So if something, mm. something like this happens, you know, I'm just 50 miles from home. I could jump in the car, drive home, and be be around my family. So it kind of made the decision for me right there, and that's and that's how I became. That's one reason. That's one of the main reasons I became a Husker. 
You know, AG, all the years I've known you, man, I did not realize that, man, that that I couldn't imagine how scary. I mean, just imagine the, uh, just the uh, the just the contrast of emotions. You're watching a team that you want to play for the next year, playing, you know, playing the national championship. And then your dad's there with a heart attack. So I can only imagine what was going on. And thank God, obviously it was minor and he was okay, but I can, I can see how that would galvanize the decision uh, to stay closer to home. Yeah, it was, it just made it, made it easy. It was a no brainer after that. Then I could just focus on the rest of my, my senior year at central and do what I did in football to do, or at that time, do what I did in track. You know, I had a fantastic track season, my senior year and junior year, but to cap it off, you know, with the way the season went, but also started off with finally getting that decision made out of my, you know, out out there to everybody. Because, because you know, being a kid from Omaha, being a kid from Nebraska, everybody wants to know where you're going. You know, mm-hmm. you know what school are you going to pick? You know, you're going to Notre Dame? We want you to go to Notre Dame. Go here. You know, go to Lincoln for these reasons. So I'm hearing all that day in, day out from my, my classmates, from my teachers. So that pressure was finally off when, when I made that decision and uh, probably the week or so before National Signing Day to let Lincoln know and let Tom Osborne know and let my family know that I was going to be a Cornhusker. Hmm. That's awesome. So then you get to you get to Nebraska your freshman year there, and how, I don't know, was it game four or game five, I think, you were, you were finally uh, put in as the starter, I think it was. It was game six against game Missouri. Six, okay. I'll never forget it. Right around. I was close. I was like, four, five, I was right there. So you're put in as a starter, true freshman, starting I back Nebraska, I back you. Who were the people that kind of took you under their wing, or did you have, like have any mentors there that were you know helping you get through the season there? You know, being a true freshman, starting at I back, that's yeah. pretty huge. Well, yeah, it was easy. Um, the mind, it was built in. You know, it was starting with Coach Solich, being the running back coach, and then everybody in that room: Lawrence Phillips, Clinton Childs. Those two guys being the probably the elders and statesmen in the room, they were the guys that I, I say I looked at Damon Benny, Jay Sims. We all had each other's back, and but we all pushed each other too. Joe McAvicker, Jeff McAvicker, Brian Schuster. We pushed each other to be better. And AD know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It was like in that running backs room, if you didn't run the ball a certain way, if you didn't basically if you didn't run it like LP, then you need to go out there and do it again. <laughs> basically and and it was like and it was a but it was a it was a, a competition that most people if you're not ready for it you're scared of it because mm. you're like I, I can't make it in that room because it's so competitive mm. but if you were mentally ready and physically physically we were ready obviously we had you know Boyd Epley um Dave Ellis putting together great workouts great nutrition for us so mm. physically we could do it but if you mentally didn't have it say you can't compete against a Lawrence. You're telling yourself, man, I can't compete, compete against LP. I can't compete against uh, Clinton Child. Then you weren't. Hmm. And I'm, that never crossed my mind once. My mind, well, The way I took it as, like, these guys are trying to make us better. Right. You know, I'm looking at Jeff and Joe McAvicka, Jeff being the older Jeff, or and Joe being his younger brother right behind him, you know, grinding it out, trying to be a starting fullback eventually. But he knew he had to put the work in. Hmm. And I had that same mindset. You know, I remember – in spring ball going into my sophomore year, Coach Solich just we're watching film of practice, you know, spring ball practice. And A D, you know how we practice against each other. Yes. Regular season or not. We were it literally was foot on football. It was a game. Yes it was. There was nobody the only body only person that was probably safe was was Tommy and the quarterback. Any other quarterback broke too at that time. Mm-hmm. They were safe. But anybody outside that position, it was pretty much game on. And so 
I remember watching film and one of the running backs, younger, it was a guy that was also a freshman for me, but he redshirted. And I can't remember his name, but I remember him running out of bounds and not hitting nobody. <laughs> and he wasn't physical. And Kosola stopped the video and just, uh, I mean, railed into him. And so that just told me, okay, it's time to be physical. <laughs> it doesn't matter when it's just running out of bounds. Send a message to somebody. To let people know that you're going to play hard for four quarters, even running out of bounds, I'm going to hit you. That's and right. to have that mentality throughout the game. And so then it made sense to me, and I understand it. But also, I understood what my coach wanted from me. But then, as an athlete, as a football player, I already knew football is physical. You're going to get hit. Now, if you ain't ready to get hit, you need to go to another sport. You need to go play baseball. You need to go play basketball. <laughs> football, this is physicality. That's part of the game. That's how you can win the game. If you're more physical than the other team, you can win the game that way. You may not be, you know, have all the fast players and have talent, but if you can out-hit a team, mm-hmm. at one, and then you're doing our error AD, that was a thing. If you could, out, if you could hit the other team harder than they hitting you, you can win the game. Right. And that's how we won some of our games. We just out-hit you for the first quarter, first 15 minutes, and then we knew after that game was over because we could see guys tucking tails, not wanting to come out back mm-hmm. out there on that football field. You know what, A.G., there was something that Coach Osborne said. I need to get this from him. There was a, a stat that he has because, you know, Coach was is, is great with stats. Yep. The, there was a high percentage of teams that lost the following week after they played Nebraska because they were so beat up. And I think about the type of uh, physicality that you and Clinton and LP, of course, and Damon and Jay Sims and the Makovic, as I can go on and on again, the physicality you guys ran with, they didn't – by the third quarter comes around, they didn't want no more of that smoke. They was like, I'm tired of getting chopped outside. I'm tired of this guy hitting me. And we would just wear teams down. You know, let me ask yeah. you this, though. You made that transition because you were always a hard runner. You made that transition from high school to college. Who introduced you to college football at Nebraska? Who was a guy that you just did not want to see when you were going against uh, the black shirts in practice? <laughs> uh, let's just start with the whole black shirt defense, okay? Yeah, Clinton, we go. We start with I go defensive back: Tyrone, Mike Minner, Tony Velen, yep. uh, Phil Ellis, Doug Coleman, oh, um, uh, Christian Peter, Jason Peter, Grant Winstrom, <laughs> and then I had uh, it was some of the bigger guys. Uh, was it uh, Oster Tag? Was it o- Ostergaard? Oh, you know, oh yeah, Big, <laughs> Big Jeff, o. Beth, OG you know, from St. Paul. Just name anybody that started on the black shirt defense. Okay, <laughs> my freshman week, my first week on the two of, of my freshman year in two a days. I, that's where I knew, and I learned quick. I'm a quick learner. It only took one play, and then the play was I got the ball, ran up the middle, and Christian lit me up. He hit me hard, you know, but I got up, you know, walked back to the huddle, and he says to me, he yells at me, as you know, yeah, Christian does. He yells at the running backs, or he yells at whoever's running the ball and tackles them. And freshman, go back to high school with that. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't tackle running backs like that here. You know, you got to run harder. And this is a defensive player. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, this is a D lineman. By the way, that has a six pack better than mine. And he's telling me as a D lineman that he need I need to run the ball harder. And all I said to him was, uh, I'll, I'll do that. No problem. Yeah, okay. I got you. No, I know that. No problem. Noted. <laughs> Noted. Noted. And then I and then later that practice I did that and um I broke his tackle and picked up like 10, 15 yards. That was probably like, at that time, the biggest run of the, of the practice for me. And at the end of practice, he had an ice bag on his shoulder, and he said, freshman, 
that's how you run the ball. Mm. You know, I guess I hurt his shoulder or something, obviously unintentional, but me doing my job, learning how to right. play running back at the college level. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So college career progresses nicely. A couple of national championships in the game, in your junior season at the Orange Bowl down in Miami uh, with another national championship. Did you know going into that game that you might be going to the NFL that next year, or were you pretty much undecided when you went into that game? Or when I went, yeah, when in that game, I didn't even think about it to be honest. Um, I let it be, you know, something where once I got in that locker room, or once I really got to Miami, I didn't think about it. Hmm. I said, you know, to myself because I knew um, that it was giving people giving me information and where I get drafted and where I might go. But I was like, look, I'm in Florida right now for a reason. You know, I'm here to win a national title. That's the last thing I'm thinking about because this game has to come first before I get drafted. Mm-hmm. So I just let my gameplay talk. And then how I felt after the game, even if I played good or not played good, that's where I was going to make my decision. And so, no, going into that game, I was all about beating Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Volunteers and Peyton Manning and Phil Moore, you know, was it Filmer, the head coach. So, letting them bowls, you know, know who you're about in the big at Big Twelve at that time. So that was that was my mindset. Last thing I was I wasn't thinking about the NFL until that game was over. And then once that game ended then I focused on thinking about it. It was probably a, one of the toughest decisions in my life because, you know, it's a new world, you know, out there going into the real world and of the NFL but a dream. But then, you know, also making sure that I accomplished some of the goals that I had set for myself. Obviously getting my college degree will be delayed and so that held me back, but you know, I made finally made decision. It wasn't easy, like I said, but and came back and finished and got my, my my degree a few years later. So I was just making sure that I stayed on track in that aspect. You know, Mon, you know, you speak in your degree, got your degree, um, came back and got it. Also, I mean, th- we could go to a whole other show, all the, the slew of records that you've had, the, the accolades, the awards, etc. You know, but when you made you made that move. And you made the decision, okay, I'm going to the league. How fast did things start going after that, from making the decision, agents, combines, all that stuff? How quick did things speed up? Man, uh, I've never been in a a Lamborghini, but probably whatever it feels like driving in a Lamborghini. That's how fast, (laughs) okay? (laughs) It was so fast where I could barely tell the time days. I didn't know, you know, what I was, you know, it was just, it was fast. And, Mm. It wasn't really, it, things didn't fully slow down until I got to Seattle and I'm sitting in another, you know, meeting room. Hmm. I'm breaking down film. That's when things slow down. So between after we beat Tennessee, then I go to California for combine training. Then I go to Indianapolis for the combine and come back for my pro day and then finally get drafted. That's when things slow down because then I was back to, a world I a world I knew football right. training, you know structure. Waking up at a certain time early in the morning to go to meetings, have practice. Once I got to that back to that routine, things slowed down. Mm-hmm. But before that, yeah, it was it was fast. It was all new information. I'm processing, trying to understand things. You know, in terms about learning what my agent, who he is, who they are, how they work, the business of that, how the draft works, and the business. You know, it just it was a blur. But when I think back on it, I do remember a lot of things, you know, but it was, and it was a lot of a learning experience, things that I finally understood and processed, but was able to then use it 
for myself to continue to build my knowledge base of experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember talking to, um, you know, one of our former teammates as well, uh, Tyrone Williams, when he was playing up in Green Bay. And I remember asking him, what was the biggest transition from going to a high-powered, you know, the best in college, you know, as far as national champions, et cetera, to the pros? And you know how Tyrone talk fast. He goes, AD, man, AD. He starts talking fast like that. Tyrone, slow down. But Tyrone, I'm one of our boys, one of our best friends to this day. He says, AD, the speed of the game. He goes, bro, everybody is fast. How did what was the what was your wake up call when you got to Seattle? And, you know, in college, even though we were playing against, obviously, the best of the best, there were guys you ran away from. And you could still do it in the pros. But what surprised you? Would you say that's a true testament for you as well of just how speed and how fast the game changed for the pro, from college to the pros? Definitely. Um, i say it might – I'm not sure. It might have happened in practice. I think – no, it did. I think it happened in training camp when I try to, you know, do something that I did in Lincoln or in practice or in the game in Lincoln in the game, you know, actual – Saturday game where I would dip in the, you know, dip into the line. There's nothing there. Then I'll bounce it to the outside and just use my speed to get to the sideline and literally try to run out, outrun everybody. But I did this one time and I remember it was a D lineman. I can't remember if it was Sam Adams, my teammate, or Michael St. Clair, the defensive end. Oh, and they were, they were down almost feet for step for step with me. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at them like, Am I really seeing this right now? You know, is this big dude like three fifteen on my heels and going to tackle me? And he did. He took me up, and I'm like, oh man, I got to rethink this. I got to, you know, when I see so I just it, it, then I just learned. Okay, the NFL means that you got people on your level of intelligence and physicality. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm gonna have to re- I'm gonna have to adjust as I'm playing this game. So that move doesn't work here. I got to figure out something else. Just like that first day Christian hit me. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, you got. I got to run a little harder. Now I could do that. And then now it's like, okay, now I got to think about how can I set this guy up for he doesn't have that angle on me because he, he knew how to get an angle on me. He's like, all right, I can't catch him on here, but I'm going to catch him here down the field. So he, he set his angle and went for it. It was 100% effort for a big guy. He was able to get there to trip me up. So I'm like, all right. I get. I'm starting to understand this NFL thing because now it's just as mental as it was at the college level. I remember Aaron Graham telling me that my freshman year that college football at that level, D1 football, is 10% physical and 90% mental. Wow. As he said that to me, it it totally made sense, and it's even higher, more mental. It's more so. I'm more like 20% mental, 80% physical in the NFL because you really got to think about things because obviously. I was a young man at that time. I was 21 years old. Right. But eventually, you got a guy that's 31, mm-hmm. that's 4, 34 years old, playing running back or playing quarterback, wide receiver. You got to do things different because you're not as fast right. as you were when you were 20, when you were 21. So you got to uh, do the same things, but you got to just do it differently. So I learned, I started learning that then, you know, at that age. So then later in my career, I knew what was coming. I wasn't mad at my, you know, body, like, oh my God, why can't I run this, this fast anymore? Hey, you're just going to, you didn't know. That's what happens, mm-hmm. but you got to adjust. And that's where the mental, the strong being strongly um, mentally comes in being an NFL pro or just being a pro athlete in general. Absolutely. Folks, that's, we have a Hall of Famer, Amon Green with us. We're going to pay some bills. We have Amon Green for a short while after we get back. We'll have a few more questions for him on Riffin' with Raf and AD. We're going to pay some bills. Be right back with you. Thank you. 
This is a 30 second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops.